Create Out Loud is brought to you by Anchor.fm. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast so you can, yes, create out loud. It's free. They give you tools so you can record easily on your phone or your computer. They'll distribute the podcast for you. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started. Because yeah, I want you to create out loud. Hey everybody, welcome back to Create Out Loud. I'm Jen Loud and I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for your time, your attention, for your reviews. They're so amazing to read and for sharing the podcast with other people. Thank you so much for, most of all, being someone who wants to create out loud, who wants to learn, who wants to prioritize something that brings you joy and meaning, because I think it makes the world a better place. Call me Pollyanna. This week, we have a really different kind of guest. Her name is Ashley Sumner, and she is the creator of an app called Quilt. There is so much to talk about in this conversation. First of all, she's a non-tech creator of a tech company. So that we dove into her musical theater background, how she came upon her signature theme. You know, one of those things I'm obsessed about that I wrote about in my book, Why Bother? This theme of hers of building community and how that emerged in the different forms it's taken in her life. You know, I love talking about that. So what are we waiting for? Let's dive in with Ashley Sumner on Create Out Loud. Ashley, did you discover community building as your creative medium or, or one of them? Because clearly businesses too. Or did you just look up one day and think, wow, I like this. I can do this. There's a need for it. Because um, I'm always so curious, like what comes first, you know, as we find our ways to be in the world and be creative? Yeah. Wow. I love that question. I've never been asked that question. Thank you. Um, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You get to say something different because <laughs> I know you're doing a lot of interviews. <laughs> You know, I do think it's a combination of nature and nurture. I was reflecting a lot. I had a birthday last week. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, growing up, I spent a lot of time. I was in musical theater. That was my world and I, what I went to school for. And I went to a lot of summer camps and there's a lot of like interactive, fun community building, like playing different roles and going really deep with one another in a way that when I would go back into my, you know, this summer would end and I go back into school, I'd be like, why aren't we connecting this way? I love that. I love that. I did theater as a kid and then went to film school and did film. And that was one of the reasons why. Yes. And I always felt like there's such a human hunger. And yet the more and more digital we become, it feels harder and harder to get that. Yes. I mean, I definitely feel like, and kind of part of why, I mean, I'm a non-technical founder of a tech company. Like (laughs) what, what? And I'm like, well, because when I think about the problem, this problem of why human beings aren't connected and therefore aren't feeling well. And, you know, it all runs all the way to, you know, the climate crisis and I, I can go there, but I, yes, I please do. Cause the climate <laughs> crisis is, is a big part of my work. So oh. I, I would love to talk. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk about that. So I think about the world that social media and other technology platforms have played. It's changed the way we talk to one another. Think about, um, you know, the performative nature. When we think about what it means to create an identity, to get liked, to not get like even like on-demand delivery and marketplaces all of this technology has just shifted our ability to interact and spend time with one another to make eye contact with one another mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely a motivating factor of technology is obviously not going away so for me creatively I'm like how can I use technology to bring people together in that way that I felt at summer camp where I felt in that musical together so that's a huge part of my motivation well walk me through musical theater to quilt <laughs> 
one of the things I'm fascinated with, and, and we do get to talk about on the show from time to time, is that journey of I thought I was going here and I ended up. Yeah, no, I, I think I've surprised everyone. My mom will keep asking me like, so what do you do? <laughs> I started in ballet when I was three. You know, I come from a very musical family and in a weird way, um, performing was normal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so to go into tech, that was like, the that was the confusing thing. So yeah, so I went to NYU for drama, for film and for psych. And when I came out, I was auditioning and, you know, kind of on that just that mm -hmm. rat race of, of trying to prove myself and be worthy and be chosen and feeling oh, yeah. things of rejection daily as a 21 year old, you know, in New York City with zero dollars in my bank account, <laughs> and figuring out like what 12 jobs I could have to pay my, you know, just the dream. <laughs> <laughs> you were living the dream. <laughs> I, yeah, and for anyone here, that was sarcasm. I ended up actually falling into this very bizarre, at the time bizarre, opportunity to work at a startup for matchmaking. And that was more interesting to me than bartending. I mean, I go to bed at 9 p.m. so we could, <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I'm the worst. You're a night owl. <laughs> I'm the worst option for a bartender. I ended up, I mean, I'll kind of cut through it, but I ended up falling deeply in love with this work of matchmaking. It worked for me. I was like a little bit of a case study um, at the time. So I dated somebody I was blind set up with for a few years. And then I just, I wanted to help everyone find love in this way. There was such a thoughtfulness to bringing people together. I spent five years as a matchmaker. I then started my own matchmaking company and it just became obsessed with all of the unique ways I could bring people together. It could be two people, it could be 16 person dinner party, but it turned my mind on in a way. And I realized coming back to this question around community, community mm -hmm. as creativity, I felt so creatively inspired and aligned when I got to think intuitively about people I've spent time with now, these people that were looking for love and imagine them with someone, be able to play that role. And honestly, I, I kind of forgot about auditioning um, because I was so lit up by this other thing that it was not fun to think about dancing and singing and acting as the thing that was going to make me money. I mean, I have a ukulele behind me. I still, I still do it all, you know, but I just realized that like those feelings of rejection and worthiness were, was really hard as an early 20 something. And now I found this thing I'm great at that's driving people's like impact in their lives and proving their, improving them, their lives. They're happier. And I just, I couldn't stop. It was the thing I wanted to keep doing. Bringing people together. There it is. There's Ashley's signature theme. This idea that I'm obsessed with that I wrote about and why bother. If you have the book, you might want to revisit that section and notice, you know, how are your signature themes changing and growing? Are you paying attention to them? I really think it's one of the most icky ways that we fall into why bother about creating and one of the ways that we stop our growth and i get it it's scary to keep listening it's scary to keep iterating it would have been easy if she just stayed as a matchmaker right it'd be easier if we could just not have to keep growing but the cost is too high and it is so directly related to how we create out loud I met my husband on Match.com. Oh my gosh, amazing. <laughs> and, her, and his sister met her husband on Match. Oh, wow. Yep. We, we've yep. always told his mom she needs to make commercials for Match. Um, totally. I, I have a slightly similar story in that I wanted to be a filmmaker and then really had a very difficult time in the industry and ended up writing my first book in a 
really dark night of the soul, Mm. just so unhappy. Mm. And it was so hard for me to let go of the identity of I'm going to be a a screenwriter filmmaker. It almost killed me. Now, once I let go of it, I was like, hallelujah. But was it hard for you or was it this just like you found the signature theme that had been there all along, carried you through? That's another big question you're asking. <laughs> Here's a post-it note I keep on my... Oh my gosh. Everybody yeah. says explore identity if you're not watching the YouTube. Yeah, and another big reflection I had last uh, week was how I have been someone who's been quite comfortable in shedding my identity. Like I kind oh. of wake up every day and I'm like, I'm new. And I've I've been programmed that way, but I also feel like The thing I've really thought about as a woman um, is how much my identity growing up was projected onto me, you know, like blonde, white, I mean, you know, kind of look tall, beautiful, like a Barbie doll, you know what I mean? And that's the image of like what a woman should look like. And I've always hated that. Mm -hmm. So I've gone through my own, like not wanting to be seen, not wanting to stand out, not wanting to have attention. And the height of that was in the moment when I was auditioning. Spending 90 minutes a day getting ready and two hours at the gym to show up to like get asked to play the bimbo. And I was just like, I know there's so much more depth to me as a human being. I don't want to be seen as this person. I'm in this place in my life now where I'm, I'm falling back in love with who I am and what I look like and being comfortable with my like kind of dark Mediterranean eyes and just like all of the things that I wasn't excited to be for so many years of my life. So I, I think I was really excited to have an identity where people would respect me for my intelligence and my inner authority and not what I look like. So, I mean, it makes so much sense. There's something that my whole body's just going, yeah. Um, (laughs) One of the things I'm obsessed with for women is how we have to separate from the patriarchal structures and what is projected onto us, what is woven into us, how our brains have been conditioned if we're going to claim our creativity. I love that you were able to reflect on that and use it for your own empowerment. Yeah. But I also love the, how that plays into that Instagram picture that went viral. Those were the first pictures I allowed to have like professionally taken of me in a really, really, really long time. Like all of the other pictures had me with long hair and outfits that just like didn't feel right. You could tell it was like Ashley trying to fit in for so many years. And meanwhile, I've like chopped my hair off. Like I I feel good in the clothes I'm wearing and you know, and all of that stuff. And this is who I want to present as. I love that you were out on a run or exercising or something and you had that idea to, to post one of those pictures and and put fe- female founder writing cross out female, was that it? Yeah, it was, um, you know, a- about three weeks prior, the rebirth or transformation of Quilt was announced on TechCrunch and we raised venture funding. Everyone's really excited about it. You know, you submit photos and the picture that was taken to put kind of at the top of that thing was this like fierce image of me. Right? Yeah, it is a fierce image. And I got to pick that outfit, you know, and I, and I picked the leather pants and the black <laughs> blazer. I put a little pin on it that said cosmic because I am, we are cosmic. This is me. Okay, cool. And then here's this image like spreading across digital platforms and getting posted and responded to. And I was like, whoa, like I haven't been responded to in that way. A lot of messages that were like, you look great. And I was like, I just raised three and a half million dollars. What about- Can we talk about that and not what I look like? Like, 
and people didn't, you know, it's just, we are all conditioned to pay attention to the wrong things. Yeah, we are. And some of it is our biology and it's hard to override, but I've been thinking about this so much, Ashley, because I, I find myself uncomfortable with women who lead with their beauty to sell their personal brands. I think about it more and your brand is, is of course much bigger. You're the, one of the figure, figureheads, but it is a whole, yeah. you know, it's not just you and, um, yeah. but there's a lot of people out there who are like, because they're attractive or beautiful. I was thinking about this on Instagram. Is it okay that we use this? Do we use it because we can, are we subverting things when we use it? Are we playing along? you said the word patriarchy, right? It is, it is a system where it's the only part of the system where we technically can get ahead is looks, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've often thought about the jobs and opportunities I had in my twenties. And if I would have had them or not because of how I look, I know I wouldn't have had them if I couldn't do the job. Right. So I know that like I could sit down and talk and sell ice to an Eskimo and inspire people to say yes. Like I knew that. Um, but if I could just do that and not present as the part, would I have gotten, you know, and the amount Mm -hmm. of time spent on that. So we are, we are essentially taught that our greatest superpower is our physical bodies. And then our ability to be nice. Yeah. And (laughs) submissive, nice. That that never, I mean, I'm, I'm nice, but I'm not submissive. So Mm -hmm. that was always confusing. Yeah. It's been a, it's a really interesting thing. So I gone through my own judgment of being like, man, I really wish that she didn't feel like she had to do that to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going on in her head, you mm-hmm. know, and that's her journey. And I have deep compassion for mine because that's really me r- wanting to heal this wound that mm-hmm. I will only get ahead by doing that. Put that post together to say, I'm a founder, right? Mm-hmm. Treat me like a founder. You know, I want us all to be able to identify as how we want to identify, not how someone tells me I should identify coming back to identity, mm-hmm. it is my choice to say in this moment, I identify most as a founder, which for me is really defined as being a creator, creating things for people that they need. Somebody next to me who who wants to be a female founder and that's empowering to her and dressing up and taking pictures and putting them out there is empowering to her. I support it as a if it's coming from a place of, of choice, agency, and power. That's gives me a lot to think about for my own judgments that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're human, right? We judge the thing that we, you know, that we have the hardest time with ourselves. So let's talk about quilt. Okay. Why the name quilt? Can you explain what it is? I have a terrible time, everybody on this podcast, as y'all know, of just like jumping in and then people are like, but, 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 but you never told me what the thing was. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Quilt is such a metaphor. You know, one of my... It's a beautiful metaphor. I really like it as a name. Thank you. I mean, Quilt today is a, it's a social wellness platform. So it inspires people to come on, to come together, to be in community, to create communities who are going through change, who are curious about new things and who really um, can benefit as we all can by being in conversation with others that is welcoming, that is kind, that is authentic. You know, all other places we go out in the world is again about performance, about having an agenda, about, you know, coming together to get something and to get ahead. And this is really a space to be, to heal, to grow and everything in between. You know, when I think about the word quilt, I think about mending. Um, And as, uh, as humanity, as humans go, 
particularly now, but well before the pandemic, the crisis of humanity, of, of human beings who are like, we're struggling mental health and physical, like our overall well being is on such a decline. And I genuinely believe that the greatest form of self-care is coming together with human beings, not being judged, being in conversation, mm -hmm. laughing, crying, expressing oneself. Um, and that's Quilt. You come to Quilt for that. Yeah, the name Quilt, you know, quilting circles, quilt bees. It's cultural across, it spans all cultures, you mm -hmm. know, it's a format, it's a structure of coming together of creating something, of being resourceful, of keeping each other safe and warm, of, you know, patterns and colors and, you know, and all the things. Um, so the name just is so universally aligned to what it is we do. Take me into the moment when you had to pivot from the original version of Quilt <laughs> to what it is now, because I, I had a bad day yesterday. Some projects, I'm not sure they're going to work. And I was feeling just really starting to go down into that yeah. I suck place. But I, and I was thinking about you and I was thinking about this interview and I was thinking about what, how did you handle that as a company? How did you handle it emotionally, personally? Plus like irony of ironies, you're isolated <laughs> while you're having to do this, right? And you're all about community and connection and building connection. I experienced grief for sure, in a way that I don't feel like I've experienced grief before. You know, I've always empathetically understood it, but this was big for me. I was like, okay, like I'm shedding identity, letting a, letting go a part of myself that I'm confident and comfortable in because I've been building offline community for so long. I know how to do that. And now offline is gone. <laughs> and now I'm just building a tech company and I, I don't know how to do that. The fearful feelings around doing that and doing that well and in relation and comparison to everyone else who's been doing it, who's maybe up in Silicon Valley, has that network, does those things. You know, I was like, oh no, okay. So yes, that voice is coming up. The other voice was, I've always seen quilts or quilting as this daily practice, like meditation. We need to be in community daily, you know, whether that's I don't know, 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening, we will feel better if we do that. And I believe that, I know that. There's silver lining of the, the forced constraint where I had to reimagine quilt. I got to realize like it was time to. A couple of years building quilts, thousands of, of people opened their homes, had intimate conversations out of their homes. That was great, but there was something that was always bothering me about that model, which was, it feels more like an event platform than mm. a proper community. This instant access to support and connection. And so technology was a beautiful answer to that. It was absolutely scary. You know, the, 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 the bank account was dwindling. The reason to make money had gone away. I went up in, into the mountains. I did spend a lot of alone time and I did really do a lot of long walks and thinking about like, what is the most frictionless way to quilt? Where quilting is this coming together for this type of community? That's a great question. That's a great way to tee up yep. thinking about you're connected to the mission of what you're creating. You haven't thrown that out. One of the things I see in myself and clients is they're throwing too much out when you are forced into that moment of like, oh, holy moly. And you didn't, like you were, you sounded like you were still deeply committed to what the mission of a quilt is. 
Yeah, I keep saying that. I mean, the, the purpose doesn't go, I was born with a purpose. Wanting to inspire and heal people and bring them together, that- That doesn't change. It's a sig- that's what I call a signature theme, right? It just doesn't change. It just takes different forms. Yeah, it doesn't no, go anywhere. Universe created me to do something here and it's that. So mm-hmm. whether I'm, whether I'm uh, performing, I'm doing that. Whether I'm matchmaking, I'm doing that. Whether I'm hosting a dinner party, I'm doing that. Whether like, quilting, I'm doing that. So how to do it, how to accomplish, you know, healing humanity to build a better world so we can feel good and start taking care of the planet we're living on. That's the same. That overpowered the fear of not knowing how to, but I felt both at the same time. And we can feel two feelings at one time. And I learned that last year. (laughs) Yes, you can. If you allow yourself to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about how Quilt connects to the climate crisis. Uh, One of my uh, projects is called Create Plus Climate. And I'm all about trying to get creatives to think about how they can use their voice and their talents to speak up. So the last thing I sent out was how to talk to reporters about how they're reporting um, extreme weather events. Uh, We're still stuck five years ago on how the stories are being told. And I really do believe that how we tell the stories and how we raise people's consciousness without freaking them out because then they fall into despair and then they don't take any actions. So how does Quilt help with that? Or how do you see it? Or how do you envision it in the future? By the way, I'm so happy to hear that you do that because I agree. Culture creates our reality and storytelling is the most profound way to shift our reality. I, I so agree. I mean, sometimes I feel like such a little wimp because I want to be the climate scientist or the but I live with a scientist and he will agree that data is really important, but not if people can, can't can understand it and not if they can't take it into their hearts and not if they can't see how they can have agency yeah. with it. Yeah. I mean, Quilt is a conversation platform. It's inspiring us to have healthy conversations, to rehabilitate the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others. We are a storytelling platform. We are a form. We are a social network. Those conversations are, is technically social media. I mean, we're taking the me out of social media. It's more about the we, but like on a very basic level, we have plenty of people who are working in the climate change, climate crisis, kind of our scientists, our investors, you know, our, you know, deeply working in levels of sustainability. On a really deep level, I feel like I'm going to go there for a second. I feel like all human beings have trauma that we're healing, mm-hmm. right? And by trauma, I, I mean that we went through things, whether it was as a child or as a young adult or now, that has that we did and went through alone. And that disconnected us from realizing like how connected we are to the planet we're on, to caring for others, you know, things like love and abundance and collaboration. We don't live in a system that supports that. Um, We live in a system that's more about fear and scarcity and competition and getting ahead. Mm -hmm. And so in that mindset, we don't believe we are one with nature. We don't care about it. It's all about being a culture of self and being super self-serving. Um, quilt for me is is reframing and training how to heal those parts of ourselves, come together and build a culture of belonging where we start to come up with new systems and bring that energy out into the world and inspire others to do the same. A planet that is sick is sick because of the people that are on it, that are participating in or creating the systems that are 
hurting it in the first place. Yeah, I was listening to Emily Atkins, the creator of the newsletter Heated on CNN. And she said, you know, the climate crisis story is this, it's a story of corruption. It is 40 years of the oil and gas companies lying. And we've been hoodwinked to participate in that system. But it takes so much courage, I think, and inner resourcefulness to be able to face what's happening. And I think that's part of the reason I was having these last few bad days, because when you start working as a, I mean, I've done climate activism for decades, but it gets you down. (laughs) And so I I think one of the things that Quilt does too is help people be able to face into those truths because they feel supported. They don't feel alone. Like you said earlier, like that's the key. We have to not feel alone, whether it's in our creative lives or our activism or our, um, you know, our mental health struggles. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this on, on 4th of July, I was thinking about America as a brand. (laughs) I love the way your mind works. (laughs) No, I just was. I was, you know, I live in Los Angeles. The beaches were flooded with raging parties. And I was wondering what we were celebrating and why we were celebrating it. And I was sad and frustrated and thinking about the brand that we, the biggest brand we've fallen into. And I mean, I, I am in many ways, I'm so grateful to live here. And in many ways, I'm so frustrated and sad to live here and that's the inner conflict of like where to go and what to trust. I mean, I grew up thinking milk was good for my bones and then it came out it's not, you know, (laughs) like everyone's got an agenda, you know, and like I'm watching it from such a young age. So thinking about that, I do feel really hopeful in the generation that we're in right now and kind of the awakening of information and misinformation and the power that technology can have on shifting our realities and perceptions and coming together and having this conversation as a form of media too like this is this is really big there's a lot of opportunity here so misinformation being kind to each other so people come to quilt and they have audio conversations it's audio only which i love when we talk about identity and looks and all the things we were talking about earlier like there's a there's a beautiful privacy to that At the same time, it's in real time so that that connection is happening. But how do you mediate if someone isn't kind or is giving misinformation or isn't being in a healing space with the other people who show up? Yeah, thank you. I mean, it it starts early. It starts from the, the intent and the moment someone is coming on. You know, I mean, we do things like phone authorization and and all of the things to kind of make sure that somebody coming in is a real identity. Okay. So Um, no no trolls, no. Yeah. And we have very, very, I mean, you can go to our wearequilt.com. The community guidelines are really clear and really specific, but they're only as strong as um, how you're enforcing them, policing them and what you're Mm -hmm. doing. And so Yes, technology plays an important role in that, making sure that you have the tools and the features to use in order to like flag someone, report mm-hmm. someone, block someone, write in, do a, you know, give a little bit of a heads up, which we've we've prioritized uh, sooner than most companies. Most companies, ninety nine point nine percent of companies will wait until they're in the millions to build some of the features that we have in the thousands, because I I really genuinely believe you cannot retroactively. Yeah, it's really hard to do that. And so we haven't, we have invested in and chosen to grow slowly so that every human being on the platform understands the values, understands what it means when you're living the values and when you're Mm -hmm. not living the values. And 
yes, we're building the technology and support, the tools um, to drive kind of agency, but the community, we have a really strong ambassador program. You know, I'm doing the things I did as, as a community organizer offline, and I'm using those tools and those, those modalities that I know work and um, investing in them in the social network that we're in. So all forms of moderation come from the community, not a third party platform, not a huge team sitting behind like the wizard of awe, you know what I mean? Like it's the community. And so we spend a lot of time having conversations, interacting, educating in, and investing in the community so that we understand what healthy looks like and what not okay looks like and everything kind of in between. How much time do you spend in conversation with people on the platform? Hours a week. Uh, I, I host a few times a week. My favorite thing is to go to others, you know? Um, sometimes Does it change I, things when you show up? Because you're like the head of the whole thing. Yeah, I, th I think it does. I would go into every single one if I could just be listening and learning, but I'm mm -hmm. aware, you know, I've, I've walked in, I've walked. <laughs> I, I mean, I think of it as like a whole, every quilt is a home, you know? You're yes, like, yes. And also that's how our bodies work, right? Yeah, but, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready, I'm walking in. You know, and I've gone, I've gone in before where someone who's hosting or speaking has said like, Ashley's here, I'm nervous now. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't yeah. mean that, you know? Sometimes someone on the team is in and I'm like, what are they saying? <laughs> you know, and I'm getting really nosy, but I quilt as much as I can. Quilt, I know? love how you've turned into a verb. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, a, it's an action, you know, like love. Uh, it is. What's your dream for quilt? My dream is that people use quilt to feel better, but they know that if they had a fight with a sibling or a loved one, family member, if they got great news, if they were like curious to explore something new that the first thought that they would have is I'm going to go to quilt and talk about it. If everyone left feeling better than when they came on that at a global scale is just like incredibly, incredibly transformative. What do you do for your own self-care besides quilt? Yeah, uh, this is an ongoing thing I'm learning. You know, I, I, I think I'm so Gosh, I think I'm so in love with quilts because I'm, you know, I'm creating it for myself in this like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, very full, full circle kind of thing. I walk a lot. I, I sometimes forget that the answer is not always in my computer, um, mm -hmm. but I, I walk and I get out into nature and I like, I love yoga which I feel like I just said all of the like very classic things. Um, I take a lot of baths. Like I, I take a bath before I go to bed at night, but genuinely this big shift I've taken because all of those things could be done alone, um, which is great, but I have friends I laugh with a lot and in laughter, it's like the greatest elevator it, uh, on the planet. One of the things that I've been fascinated since starting, you know, writing about self-care 30 years ago is that it is very innocuous when we talk about it. It rarely sounds exciting or <laughs> unique. That's part of part of what can be dangerous about self-care is that we think it has to be big or expensive or sexy. And it's another brand. 
Yeah, it's another brand. Got branded. I know it got so branded and watching that happen. It's been so troubling to me because I think most self-care is incredibly boring and difficult to do. Like it's a good point. It's I have gone to therapy every week since I was like 13 years old. Wow. That is an incredible practice. You know, I remember going to my mom and saying like, I want to go to therapy. Like we've got a lot going on here and I want to go to therapy. I love therapy. I want to, I want to like get in there and figure out what's going on. And so it can be hard and crying can be tough. And then I'll jump back into my work day. And that wasn't smart. I should have like scheduled it at a different time. Um, but that time for ourselves to like raise our awareness and have reflection and be really honest about us instead of what's going on with everyone else. I do think that has the greatest benefit long-term. That type of work is the greatest benefit long-term for self, for overall self-care. What do you do to fill your creative self up so you can keep leading quilt? It's definitely part of, it's definitely me in nature. You know, even yesterday, like I walked and I sat on the beach and I watched the sunset where I can connect up to kind of like my source and purpose and creativity for sure comes from like that for me. Anything in that vein, definitely. Usually I'll just play some like, or I'll just play some like Robin and like dance. <laughs> love, yeah. I love dancing. Dancing, definitely <laughs> you know? top of my list. I'll belt a musical. I posted on, on social media yesterday, like who else secretly or not so secretly wants to start singing musicals with me. And I got like, like <laughs> so many response. I thought I was going to get like one. And I was like, me, me, me. <laughs> I was like, yes. So things that I feel like my creativity comes from either going inwards in nature and just being still with myself mm -hmm. without distraction or in being incredibly expressive outside of comfort zone. No one's watching expressive kind of stuff. I'd like to ask this last question of my guest. What do you want to learn next? Mm. Um, I, I am at the stage of my journey in my body, like this body, you know, I've talked on here about not loving it, you know, growing up and in my twenties and hiding it. And that's led to a lot of kind of interesting body ailments and aches and pains and uh, I'm in the place right now where I really want to learn how to listen to my body, like to feel really connected to it. A lot of like mm -hmm. somatic work. Yeah. Not just be like, oh, this body. It's okay that like my left ear hurts from stress for a month. Like it's not okay. What is my body telling me? So that, that the less kind of spiritual answer is leadership. I, I'm defining who I am as a leader and what, what I'm redefining what it means to be a founder you know, I'm a venture-backed tech company, all of the things. I've spent some time thinking I need a leader looks like mm -hmm. that person, that person, that person. And it, it doesn't, you know, it, it comes from what is authentic to me. And so I'm spending time really thinking about what leadership looks like, uh, this term leader full, which is more around bringing people together to lead and building that company culture. Well, I think that is a deeply creative act and that I trust that you are going to listen to your style and your signature theme of bringing people together and become a powerful, authentic leader. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Hey, what was this most useful for you? 
What are you gonna take away? What are you gonna remember? What are you gonna share with a friend? What are you gonna go drop a review in at Apple Podcasts and say that you really, really loved about this episode or any other one? You know, for me, it is this whole conversation about looks and self-acceptance. And I just love the deep intention that Ashley brings to Quilt. And it's the same deep intention I bring to the Oasis, which is my community. Very different than Quilt, but also based deeply on what is healthy connection and self-care and how does it help us create? How does it keep helping us get out of our own way? And anytime you want to join the waitlist to join the Oasis, we would love to have you learn more and possibly join us. And you can get an invitation at jenniferloudon.com. Just click on Oasis. So I've got some big news. We only have two more episodes in this season. Yeah, we gotta take a break because it's actually a ton of work to produce a podcast. And I need a little bit of a break because I'm all about walking my talk and taking some time off to recharge and dream up a season two to build on this. I mean, that's gonna be hard. This is a pretty damn good season one. (laughs) So our guest next week is the poet Kate Bear, internationally famous for being truthful about being a woman, for being an incredible feminist. Just her answer to my first question is worth the entire episode. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'm gonna make you wait. And then after that, we're gonna have another little secret special treat for you, and then we'll take a break. So in the meantime, You know what you need to be doing. Create out loud. (laughs) See you next week.